well many, many times, but it means God with us. It is a living reality that you came down to be with us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here to worship today. And it changes everything, God. I pray it change everything about our lives and our worship and our, our job and our family and our career and our future. And Lord, all for you and all about you. Emmanuel, oh, we praise you, God, that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. It's good to see you. Have a seat. On a Black Friday a few years ago, a mob of Walmart shoppers in a mad rush for a DVD player for $29, knocked over a woman named Patricia Van Lester. Her sister, Linda, said she got pushed down and they walked over her like a herd of elephants. I told them, stop stepping on my sister, but they trampled on her until she was unconscious. I don't know if that's happened to any of you. I hope not. All right. But we're going to have, in the next few weeks, tens of thousands of tourists in Sarasota, Bradenton, aren't we? Christmas means crowds, right? Now, I'm just wondering how many of you have already said it's too crowded More than raise their hand, okay? And if you didn't say it, maybe you thought about it. The malls will be packed, the checkout lines will be long, the traffic will be heavy, the airports will be jammed, the restaurants like Valentino's and Millie's will have a wait time of an hour, okay? That's just the way it is. It's too crowded. We want to talk about that today. We're in a series talking about finding Christ in your Christmases, all right? Because there are a lot of messes that uh, occur in our lives, and they can be so distracting in our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the problem with crowds at Christmas is that they can uh, kind of trample on Jesus just like uh, the crowd trampled on Patricia Van Lester. But, it's not just the crowd's fault. Don't you and I do a pretty good job of crowding our own lives? And the reality of that is that we can get so busy on our Christmas trip that we leave Jesus home alone. That's a movie, in case you didn't miss that. Okay, I didn't want to throw that in. I knew it was really subtle, okay? We can get so busy shopping that we miss the Savior. And I think that overcrowded lives can be a great detriment to Christmas. I read about many years ago there was this wealthy family and they, they were having a christening ceremony for, for their child. And uh, when the guests arrived at the home for the ceremony, the coats, all the coats were 
you know, taken to the bedrooms, carried upstairs to the bedrooms and laid on the bed. You remember doing that when you lived up north, right? Well, after the hors d'oeuvres, after all the conversation, they were finally ready for the christening ceremony, and somebody said, well, where's the baby? And the nanny ran upstairs to look, and the baby was nowhere to be found, so she came back down panicking, and then someone remembered that they'd seen the baby laying on one of the beds. And so after a frantic search, they found the baby smothered under the coats, the child they'd come to christen had been forgotten in the party. And our crowded schedules and the presents and the parties, they can, they can cover up Jesus and make us forget about him. And that's nothing new, okay? It's going to happen to you. And it's nothing new because that's the way it was the first Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, we want to look at that today. It, talks about this village of Bethlehem where Christ was born, and it was crowded. The, the, uh, the Roman government had called for a census, and everyone whose ancestors came from that village, they had to go back. And so the village of Bethlehem was crowded. The city of Jerusalem, five, five miles away, was crowded also. And almost everyone in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem was too busy for the Son of God. Who crowded Christ out? Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth. She placed him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room in the inn. Who crowded Christ out? The innkeeper. Now, I just, I, I really do kind of feel sorry for that guy. I think he shows up in every sermon at Christmas time. He's, you know, kind of like the, the Grinch that stole Christmas, all right? And, you know, we don't really know. I mean, the truth is we don't know if he really didn't have more rooms or if he was uh, kind of saving one or two for the people who had a lot more money than this peasant couple that showed up. We don't know. And, you know, I've always wondered what he would have done if he had known that the pregnant peasant girl he turned away was about to give birth to the Son of God. I think he would have made room if he'd have known that. In fact, I think he would have given him the master suite. What do you think? Do you think he knew that this was the Son of God that was about to be born? Do you think he knew that this was the Messiah that she was carrying? How many of you think he didn't know that? I don't think he knew it. But friend, you and I know, we know who that baby was. We know that he was the son of God. We know that he is God's gift to mankind. We know that Jesus is the one that God sent to save us from all our sins. 
And so, friend, the important issue in question is, is not why didn't the innkeeper make room for Jesus? The question is, have we made room? Have we made room in our lives? Because, friend, it's really, really easy to crowd him out. Have we made room for Christ? Have we moved out of the master suite of our own lives? Because that's where the real master belongs and what he deserves. God sent the birth announcement of his son. And he did it up really well. He sent an angel choir, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, it says. And there was a light show that would have made Disney look like a couple of dim flashlights. But the crowd didn't listen. They didn't see. The town was crowded. And so were their lives. And friend, you and I know it's so easy to get so preoccupied with our possessions, with our pleasures, with our plans. We can miss the priceless gift, the Son of God, given to us. Who crowded Christ out? Well, the innkeeper, okay, but he probably didn't know. The townspeople, they crowded Christ out. But the real issue is not about them, have we? How do you know? How do you know if we're really pushing Christ to the outer fringes of our life, of our schedule, of our plans? Because, see, he's Lord. How do we know if we're doing that? How does a company know if they're doing what they ought to do, if they're selling what they ought to sell? Well, they do. They take inventory. Let's take inventory. This past week, the week that ended at midnight last night, we all had 168 hours. Nobody had less. Nobody had more. We all had 168. How many hours during that week did we watch TV? How many hours during that week did we spend online? How many hours of those 160 did we spend on ourselves? How many did we spend on Jesus? It's a good question to ask. You know, God is not up there saying, you know, now I want you to be a religious monk and, you know, not, not do anything else but think about and talk about me, all right? But he is Lord. And our lives were created for a personal relationship with him, of knowing him, of him being in our life, of him being our life. And that's what the Christian life is about. Bethlehem was crowded. The people were too busy. And, you know, I think some of I mean, hey, some of them saw the angels, you know, some in Jerusalem, five miles away, they saw that angel choir. They heard the reports about this being not an ordinary child. 
And I think many in that town said, you know, <laughs> he could be the Messiah. You know, I'm going to go worship him one day when things die down, when I'm not too busy, when it's a better time. But the truth really is that there were things more important to them than the Son of God. Overcrowded. It's too crowded. It can be too crowded in our lives. Some crowded Christ out. But who put Christ first? Joseph. Joseph put Christ ahead of his reputation. You see, Joseph was a, a self-employed carpenter. All right. Uh, he was a carpenter in a rather small village of Nazareth. And you know, when everybody found out that his fiancée was pregnant before the wedding, it certainly would have cut into his business and damaged his reputation severely. He, he planned to call off the wedding. But then God appeared to him in a dream and told him that Mary had not been immoral, that the child that she was carrying was the Messiah, and that Joseph should marry her. And what did Joseph do? Joseph put Jesus ahead of his reputation, ahead of his career, ahead of his plans. And that's what Mary did. She put Jesus ahead of her plans and her dreams. What was Mary's dream? Find a good husband. To bear healthy children. To be respected in her town. Her plan was not to get pregnant. It was not to be divorced by her fiancé. It was not to be called a slut. It was not to be gossiped about for the rest of her life. That wasn't her plan. Her dream. And the reality is that's what she would have faced by saying yes to God's plan for her life. But she did. And she put Jesus ahead of what others would say about her or think about her. Mary put the Messiah, the Son of God, first in her life. Above her dreams, above her friends, even above her family, above everything else, she put Christ first. And friends, in Luke chapter 2, we find out also that the shepherds did that as well. Verse 8, that's where we focus here today. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. I mean, it was so awesome, God's presence, God's glory right there they were terrified but the angel said don't be afraid because i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he's christ he's the lord and this will be a sign you'll find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger and suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
when the angel left them, gone back into heaven. The shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem. We've got to see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They didn't wait. They hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. (laughs) The shepherds clocked out to go see Christ. The shepherds put Jesus ahead of their paycheck. They walked through the crowds to go find the Messiah, the Savior. You see, yeah, in town, they did have to walk through the crowds. They had to walk through the men who were headed to the town square to complain about the government. They had to walk through the herd of men who were grumbling that the Rome had made them return to Bethlehem for a census, all for the purpose so they could pay more taxes. They had to walk through the women who were headed to the, to the village well to gather water and to gossip about this pregnant girl giving birth in a stable. Who found the Christ that night? The shepherds, the lowly shepherds. How come nobody else in town did? Because they didn't look for him. Because their lives were crowded with lesser things. And friends, it's a reality that even us, those of us who know the Lord, we can crowd Christ right out of our lives with lesser things. Of all the crowd in Bethlehem, only a few shepherds showed up that night to worship the Son of God. And things won't be a lot different in America this year, will they? Now, there'll be many who will take time every day, many of you. Every day you're going to think about the Lord. You're going to think about Christ. You're going to pray. You're going to listen. You're going to read God's Word. You're going to take time. You're going to put Him into your life. But most people will be just too busy with Christmas stuff to make time for Christ. The shepherds did. And after finding Christ in their Christmas, okay, their lives were not easy. After finding Christ in their Christmas, what did they do? Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. They witnessed to the crowds. I'll never uh, never forget uh, an October night in 1973. Uh, that was the night I asked Donna to marry me. And in a moment of temporary insanity, she said yes. I gave her an engagement ring. And the next day, Donna told me this, that when she went back to her residence hall, there was nobody on the floor. There was The only person she saw was this girl that she really didn't know. But she said, I had to tell somebody. So I told her. And there the girl's gone, hmm, okay, yeah. <laughs> 
And friend, what do we do when we have received great news? We tell somebody, don't we? We don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want to tell someone. And friend, you and I know the greatest news that has ever been given to man. God gave that news. God said, I'm sending my son. God said, yes, you've disobeyed me, but I am not mad at you. I am not out to get you. I love you. And because I love you so much, I am sending my one and only son to die in your place to be your savior. Now, friend, tell me greater news than that. It's for today. It's for every day. It's for all of eternity. That God wants you in his heaven. That God knows you and loves you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. And Christ wants to come into your life and totally change your life and your attitude and your responses and your reactions and your plans and your dreams. Friend, you and I know the greatest news of all, that God wrapped his son in a baby's body and sent him to earth to be our savior. We've got to tell somebody. We've got to tell somebody. See, that's what the shepherds did here in Luke 2. It says, after they met Jesus, they had to tell everyone they met about Jesus. They couldn't stop themselves. They couldn't keep silent. You see, they'd worshiped. And you see, after worshiping, they had to witness. They, they couldn't keep silent. And, and friend, you know, we call this a, a worship service. And, you know, there's no, uh, you know, there, we, don't, we don't have meters on us. You know, that, you know, pop up and, and go down and pop up and go down or whatever. I mean, what, what's, the, what is, what's the result of us truly worshiping? Well, you know what one would be? We want to tell others. We've met with God. God has come to live in us. God has come to forgive us. And friend, when we truly worship Christ will truly want to tell others about Christ because that's the greatest joy of all. We won't be able to keep silent. We want to tell others. And friend, this Christmas it might be messy for you, but you can find Christ in that Christmas. This Christmas, your world is going to be crowded. And you'll probably do a lot to overcrowd your own life. You'll be tempted like everyone else to actually crowd Christ right out. So what can we do? How can you find Christ in your crowded world? I just give you three suggestions. There are other things I hope God speaks to you about something. Let, let me just give you three suggestions. And the first one is this, schedule him. Schedule him. You know, if something's important, you schedule it. 
it's on your calendar. Or it's a priority. If you're going to work tomorrow, you know where you're going to be at 8 a.m. It's scheduled. You'll be there. Important things get scheduled. And they get scheduled first so that things that are less important don't get there first. And you never get around to the greatest thing of all. Tomorrow, when are you going to spend time with Jesus? When are you going to worship him? When are you going to look up at the face of God and say, God, thank you. Thank you that you were willing to give up your one and only son so that I could be right with you, so that I have a relationship with you, so that I could spend my eternity with you. When are you going to do that? Tomorrow, is it on your schedule? If it's not, it probably won't happen. Schedule him. Two, be still before him. The psalmist in chapter 46 of Psalms said, Be still and know that I am God. You live in a very noisy world. You live in a very crowded and busy world. And that world is not going to help you get with God. You'll have to make an intentional effort to be still so you can hear God, so you can talk to God. And you know, most of us would say, well, yeah, but I can't because I've got a job and because, you know, I've got uh, this to do and because I've got a family. And, and I always think of Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley had 19 children. She was the uh, wife of uh, John Wesley, and John Wesley was a preacher, and this was in the days of horseback, and he spent... 20, you know, hours out of 24 on horseback going around preaching. He's just unbelievable in his activity, okay? So Susanna Wesley has 19 children. Now, how in the world can she ever have any quiet? They didn't live in a a 19-room mansion. They lived in a very, very small house with 19 children. Do you know what she did? When she wanted to be alone with God, when she wanted to talk with God, when she wanted to listen to God, she told her children, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull my apron up over my head. And when I do that, I am talking to God, and you better not talk to me. I don't think she threatened them, okay? But they knew. They knew when she took her apron and put it up over her head that she was spending time with Jesus. You see, it is possible. It is possible for us to be still and know that he's God. God will help you. How can you find Christ in your crowded world? The third thing that the shepherds did Spread the word about him. Spread the word about him. 
You see, Christian, that's why we're still here. One day Christ is going to come back again. He's going to take all his followers to be with him in heaven forever. Why hasn't he come yet? Because there are people in your life that have not yet received him. Because there are people that God is going to put in your path and give you the awesome, amazing privilege of you sharing the greatest news that's ever been given to mankind with them personally. And when we spread the word, the, the good news, the gospel, God's word, when we spread the good news of Jesus Christ coming to this world to be our Savior, then we're finding Christ in our very, very crowded world. We've been celebrating Christmas in America ever since they put away the Halloween decorations on uh, November 1st. Okay, haven't we? I mean, it's been all over the place. The ads, the decorations, everything. Christmas, how many times have you heard that since November 1st or even before? You see, this is, do we have opportunities to tell others about what Christ Christmas is all about? I'm, ju I'm just wondering, who have you told about uh, Christ this year, this season? I hope it's someone. Who have you told that Jesus Christ, he, he's what it's all about, that he came to be our Savior, and that he's coming back again. He's our coming king. This is, this is our great season to do that. And many of you, you, you invited people to the, to the ladies' tea, and, and hundreds came. And many of you, you've invited people to, uh, for tonight, okay? I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to share Christ. What God gives us the opportunity to personally say ourselves, but, but what we can share publicly. And not just at Christmas time. Let, let me ask you this. Are you involved in a, in a ministry whose goal whose purpose is to share the good news with people. Yeah, we have ministries like that. Uh, tomorrow morning in the cold at 7 o'clock a.m., there's going to be a team of people out there with hot coffee and donuts and signs saying free donuts, and they just want people driving by just to pull in. And they are going to say, man, we want to give you a cup of coffee and we want to miss you a Merry Christmas and how can we pray for you? And then we have our youth ministries and our children's ministries where, you know, kids are coming from across the street there in Lake Sarasota. And, and, and what, what uh, ministry team are you on that is telling the good news to other people? And see, we get to do that year-round. That's not just for Christmas time. That's year-round. Oh, friend, that's when we find our joy. Because that's what God made us his children for, to invite others to come to know him as well. 
I began with the story of Patricia Van Lester, the Walmart shopper, shopper excuse me, who was trampled. Now let me tell you the rest of the story. Patricia Van Lester was a former Walmart employee. She had filed 16 injury claims against Walmart and other companies. An investigation in Orlando, Florida, revealed that Van Lester had received thousands of dollars in settlements and workers' compensation since 1987. Could it be that Patricia Van Lester was only pretending that she was knocked off her feet and trampled and hurt? You know, I don't know. And we can't pass judgment, okay? No one knows if Patricia Van Lester was only pretending, except God. And friend, as Christians, as people who, you know, go to church, as people who are good people and try to do good things and try to live a good life, it's possible that we can come to a place, a time where we're only pretending that Jesus Christ is really the greatest love and joy that we have. We can come to a place where we're only pretending that, that Christ is first. I come to that point in my life on days, and I don't want to be there. Let's not pretend. Let's make Jesus Christ first. Let's put him first. Let's worship him. Let's be intentional. Let's be deliberate that Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is going to be first in our lives. It won't be easy because Christmas is crowded. Crowded with people. Crowded with noise, crowded with activities. But let's not let anything crowd Christ out of our lives. Shall we pray? God, you're pretty busy yourself, you have a universe to run. You have galaxies to keep in place. But dear Lord, you weren't too busy 2,000 years ago to send your son to come and live among us to reveal your truth to the world that had rejected you. To let your son die on a cross in our place so that our sins could be forgiven. Thank you, God, that you were not too busy to do that for the world and for me. And God, please deliver me from the times when I get too busy for you, when I crowd Christ out with all the good things that are available to us. 
Father, we want to put Christ first because that's where he belongs. That's what he deserves. He is our life. We have no life, dear Lord, apart from you. Lord, I just praise you that you're so awesome. And I want to live out your awesomeness in my life, and I want to show it to others. And friend, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I know that many of you have those same passions and desires. You know you struggle with temptations. You know that you have a busy life. You know that things get crowd out Christ sometime in your life. And you don't want that. And God is going to help us. And God is going to strengthen us. And God is going to work in us. And Lord, and if we desire that, the Lord is going to do that in us. And let's recommit ourselves today to putting Christ first where he deserves. Let's move out of the master suite and invite him to reside there. And friends, some of you today, um, maybe you uh, aren't a Christian or maybe you're checking us out or maybe this is all just brand new to you or whatever. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, we're not all in the same place. But friend, God loves you. God sent his son to die for your sins and for mine. And he wants you to invite his son into your life and let him be your life. Uh, Revelation says that the Lord is standing at the door of our heart and he's knocking and he wants to come in and he wants to live in us. Let him invite him in. That's what life is about. And friend, that's what eternity is about. Being in God's presence forever and ever. And there's only one person that can get you through heaven's gates, and that's God's Son, Jesus Christ. Invite him in. Make him Lord. Now, dear Father, we have this Christmas season. And there'll be a lot of messes and a lot of problems and a lot of busy things to do and all that. But, Lord, you want to work in our lives. And this Christmas, you want to make it a great Christmas as we worship you and serve you and tell others about you and are preparing, dear Father, for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you, dear Lord, that that is what our life is about. And we want to live it out for your honor and glory. So, Lord... We thank you. We thank you for all that you're going to do. We thank you for all that you are. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we worship you this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.